Hello everyone, welcome to uh, Cricket with an absent, Accent. I shouldn't say another episode, but the last episode was almost a month ago. So it's, uh, I'm like hibernating, but you know, we, I have good reason to be you know, re-engaging here on this uh, uh, podcast. And I have a return guest, Sid V, uh, so kind enough to making his second appearance on the podcast while doing his own podcast and so many other things. So let me first welcome him. Uh, today, everybody's talking about the 100, but we both are in mood to talk about something very different from a different era. Welcome to the show again, Sid. Thanks, Sakib. Uh, glad to be here and uh, enjoy your uh, all the podcasts that you do and uh, more than happy to join and chat about cricket. Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, you know, this podcasting industry is, again, uh, pretty unique. Uh, we all are doing this, you know, at our own time. Most of us have our own, you know, day, day jobs, other professions, and, you know, it's a passion that keeps us going. And you are definitely an influencer. So uh, I honestly look up to I'm sure you look up to a few people. It's not not an exercise to embarrass you, but you know there are like certain uh, metrics out there, uh, certain accounts that you say, be it cricket, be it you know opinion making, and you say, okay, this guy is saying it. Uh, maybe I need to you know take a, a alter my stand. And and I'm you know I'm I'm more li- in the diplomatic lane. I'm not really giving much opinion. Uh, I just produce my podcast because uh, I lack opinion sometimes. But uh, I call you an influencer. So. Before we come to the crux of this topic, and again, people must be wondering, there is no introduction really, it's Sid V. So let me ask you this. Remember the India-England series a few months ago? I came to your podcast listening to the pink ball test and, you know, like how uh, everybody was talking about the pitch. And I thought, you know, there is a definition of a pitch. But when I heard you, Ahsoka, uh, Mahesh, you know, KD, and then you all said, no, you know what, this was a decent pitch. Just because it's, it's turning from day one, it doesn't make a bad pitch. So I just want, you know, to go there. I know you've talked about it. And uh, I also started, after listening to your podcast, I gave the pitch a little bit of a benefit doubt. So two questions roll into one. Are there voices out there on Twitter where someone like you, not alter your opinion, you say, okay, you know what, maybe I need to reconsider because that episode did that for me. I was with the old school mindset, you know, like a pitch should be behaving certain way on the first day, second day, then there should be some runs. Then third day it behaves differently. And, and you know, the 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 syrup that we all have been fed. So when you guys were doing it, it kind of challenged my wisdom because I went to your podcast looking for you guys to validate what my beliefs were. And, you know, I learned something different. So two, let's talk about what a good pitch is to kick this off. And then are there any accounts out there that, you know, sometimes even Siddharth thinks, okay, you know what? I may need to reconsider. Sure, sure. I mean, I think, uh, you know, that particular match, that particular pitch, it was very interesting. And what uh, we were trying to bring out in the podcast, uh, I think uh, the four of us, I mean, on the 81 All Out podcast, I think we all pretty much uh, came to a consensus that, hey, there's, it's very, very hard to, you know, demarcate things like, uh, have an opinion of things like good pitch, bad pitch, diabolical pitch, great pitch, and things like that. I mean, of course, the ICC uh, gives pitch ratings, and they have certain standards that they follow. That is fine, but what I what we were trying to say is, listen, this is Test cricket has been going on since you know 150 years, from 1877 to now, and the kind of variety that Test cricket has provided us is something that you know almost no other sport has probably provided in terms of conditions. And so, once every 40 tests or once every 50 tests. If there is a pitch like the Ahmedabad pitch that spun from, you know, ball one and where teams were just collapsing, England collapsed for 81, coincidentally, which is the name of our podcast as well. Uh, and if that happens, then it's not, it, okay, of course, it is surprising. It is something that is noteworthy. 
you can talk about the pitch you can comment on the pitch but it's not something that is you know a defining defining the way test cricket is moving forward it is you consider it as an event a one off a once in a while event and you move on and you also begin to appreciate that you know test cricket has this to offer it offers you this extreme and then occasionally it may also offer you an extreme where a team is scoring 600 and another team is scoring 500 that is the other extreme right so why not enjoy both why not uh, understand that you know and and why not understand that when you actually get a match where you have 220 uh you know and another team makes 190 another team makes 240 and then there's a tense chase why not think of that as you know as a great event because you've seen all the extremes and in terms of um, you know coverage and opinions i you know for me i really respect and admire writers who come to cricket from a historical mindset you know they are not just looking at one match or one series you know if you see read somebody like a gideon hay um you know the australian uh, writer he writes for the australian he's written you know gazillion books one of the most i mean according to me easily the uh, best writer on cricket today uh he comes to the game with a historical bent uh he understands that uh, test cricket and cricket has seen a lot uh, there have been various types of pitches there have been various kinds of uh, bowlers and batsmen and incidents and controversies and he puts the current goings on in that perspective you know a writer like michael atherton again he has played the game comes to it with a very um, interesting point of view always because he has played it at the highest level he has captained and he's also well read so you know people like that um you know in uh, you a number of writers in cricket for uh, you know who write uh, some of who have been my colleagues of course uh, i respect uh, people like osman samyuddin uh, fidel fernando who writes from sri lanka sadat monga uh, you know very very good writer so you know the when you read all these people you understand that uh, you you begin to form some kind of uh, judgment on the game and occasionally you know reading them you also feel yeah i never thought of it this way i i should have uh, i didn't think of this point so yeah all these people uh, you know help me uh, kartikeya date is another one uh, whose articles are very insightful he joins us on the podcast uh quite often he comes with a very quantitative bent of mind and it's very interesting to uh see what he says kartik krishna swami there are many people you know i i don't want to really i, I mean i'm sure i've missed out so many but uh, these people reading them gives me a good understanding of uh, what is happening in cricket as well as how one can place the present in proper context no absolutely and again with kd you know we all know like he he's viewing it in a very different lens and he has he backs it up with a lot of statistics and he's dismissing a lot of notions that sometime upsets all fan bases so <laughs> i mean yeah. it's and it, it's very it's a very intriguing he's a consistent you know uh twitter avatar you know he doesn't mess around and his view sometime of course you know we all are on the uh in the audience when he's sh- he's shedding my notions and that 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 point you need to either revisit or you say ah, i'm not going to read further but that's uh, you know that's a mindset uh, you know i i see with him and it's it's he's trying to prove a point and he's pretty consistent so kudos to him he's really enlightening you know the twitter argument uh, in many ways and since you know the man well and him and gideon hay have both at various accounts said the notion of captaincy is kind of an overestimation and uh, you know reading books like uh, 
out of captaincy and then you know all the glorified captains in the history of the game where do you stand in that conversation i'm sure there are a lot of conversation you and kd have had when the microphone is not on but where do you stand on the importance we attach to captaincy is it all about the personnel you have i mean uh, because there's no other sport that has that kind of a role in basketball the other team sport that i followed very closely since since you know I, i've been staying in the united states for more than two decades it's more about the coach captain is just a very unique figure in all of sports there is not a parallel out there so how do you want to unpack this before we get to our hot topic that we both have decided you know to address today yeah it's it's a one of the trickiest topics uh, in cricket you know because uh, uh, a captain sometimes i feel gets disproportionate amount of uh, credit slash blame for what happens on the field and uh, it has become so because uh, over the years uh, it is just this thing that the captain represents the team and whatever happens you know with the results is uh, basically has to be placed at the feet of the captain and you know like a great team you often the captain gets uh, a lot of credit uh, i don't know if that is justified enough because you know at the end of the day he's playing with uh, some extraordinary uh, individuals at the same time a poor team the captain is uh, often dismissed and he's removed from the office again you know what uh, whether a poor uh, whether a captain could have done much with a poor team is another question so i think yeah that is one of the trickiest issues here because the captain has become such an important figure in cricket and uh, yeah as you said no other sport is uh, there i mean in uh, soccer you have the manager and in american sport you have the manager who takes the bulk of the flack for the team's performances but uh, here it's the captain anyway uh, but uh, one of the things that gideon hay said recently when i spoke uh, spoke to him for a podcast um, you know actually i said it and gideon hay actually agreed with me he said that um, i was saying how you know maybe like uh, it's very difficult for a captain to make a, a a very good side into a great one i mean eventually it is the players who will make a very good side into a great one but i asked gideon if he agreed that uh, a captain becomes very important in a team that is just about competing you know uh, which is not a bad team but which is aspiring to be a good team and uh, i felt that in those cases a captain becomes he can add that little marginal difference to the team and gideon uh, he agreed he said that uh, he feels that uh, there is something to that argument um, anyway the other tricky thing about captaincy is that it's very difficult to measure you know a batsman a bowler a fielder there are few things that you have clear metrics for right um, you know runs wickets averages whatever there are all these metrics that you can say okay he was a good batsman or he was a very good batsman but captaincy is something that only the players uh, tend to see uh, you know we on the outside see very little i mean even on the field when you're watching a game of cricket you cannot exactly pinpoint the decisions that a captain is taking i mean occasionally of course you'll see him gesturing and moving the field that's all fine but you know there are obviously things he has, he's telling the bowler there are things that have been discussed in the dressing room there are things that he's you know the bowling changes that he's making uh sometimes he's taking advice from his teammates so all all that is hard to gauge from the outside so what i have noticed is that uh, the people who talk most insightfully about captaincy are the players themselves i mean so for me my approach is to find out about a captain you know try and speak to as many people as possible who played with him who were around him in the dressing room in the field uh try and understand how they feel he helped them 
uh, or she helped them and then build a kind of an overall picture saying, okay, so this is what all these people are saying. So maybe, you know, I can make up my mind saying that he was a good captain or he was a bad captain. So yeah, it's a very tricky business, which is why I feel like, you know, when a, pl a player is appointed captain within the first few series, it is hard to really gauge and say uh, whether he's good or bad captain. I mean, he may win three series in a row. That's fine. But whether that is down to his captaincy or not, it's hard to say. So I think uh, in what I have settled down to is that uh, captain is best judged, uh, you know, after a few years in his tenure. Um, and uh, then that's when you really begin to understand what he's bringing to the table. Wow, that's a perfect transition. You know, I, I had this in mind, but you, you are really taking us to the promised lands. All right. So, you know, if you are seven, eight minutes into this podcast, you know, we're going to be talking about Rahul Dravid, the captain, because the title uh, of the podcast is given away. I've already promoted it. If you're already here listening to me and Siddharth. So again, 14 years ago, uh, I think maybe in August, that's when I think Dravid relinquished, you know, captaincy by becoming, I think, uh, at least the second Indian captain in my cricket lifetime after Kapil Dev winning a series in England. And a lot had happened up to that point. India had been eliminated, you know, one of the most infamous World Cup campaigns of our times. Uh, then there was, you know, the Dravid Ganguly uh, Chapel, you know, uh, you know, trifecta that, that pretty much, uh, you know, had a huge cloud over his uh, captaincy. So whatever we're going to be talking about is nothing new, but if we are just revisiting one of those very important chapters, because when I started watching cricket, I used to hear from my dad and my cousin talk about Bedi, Kapil, Gavaskar. Sorry, Gavaskar and Bedi, and then Gavaskar and Kapil. And uh, Kapil and Gavaskar happened on my watch, but I was, what, nine or eight years old. I, I couldn't tell what was going on. And uh, I tried to read the newspapers, but, you know, that was little above my knowledge. And uh, this era of Siddharth, you know, was very, fa I mean, I was very fascinated. That's the time I was following cricket the most in the U.S. I was always a tennis fan first. But Indian Test cricket always got my imagination, and I became a cricket fan whenever this was happening. So uh, I know we've talked about this when we chose this topic, and you can come out and give your intro on this topic. But uh, uh, why do you think, or why is there a segment of people who think that he was underrated as a captain? So I think this is a kickoff, and then I'm sure there's plenty to unfold here. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, to the first point, uh, you know, I just want to add that, yes, uh, there was uh, Bedi Gavaskar, Kapil Gavaskar, and uh, quite a number of these other, you know, uh, big player, uh, you know, one big player against another in the media in the 80s and, you know, 90s. Um, and of course, uh, the uh, late 90s saw probably the biggest story in cricket till now, which is the match-fixing scandal and with players from all, so many parts of the world were involved. And, you know, players of the caliber of uh, Hansi Cronier and uh, Mohamed Azruddin were, uh, you know, implicated and also handed bans. So, uh, but the interesting thing is it was only around uh, the early 2000s that, uh, you know, the media landscape in India began to drastically change. And by the time, uh, you know, of this whole Dravid Ganguly Chapel thing, is when the number of newspapers in India had, uh, you know, exploded. The number of TV channels had exploded. It was around the time when the TV channels were moving from being the traditional TV channels interested in, uh, you know, providing only the news to, you know, being interested in controversy. Things like Match Ka Mujrim uh, was a famous show that time where, uh, you know, you were trying to whip up uh, 
some kind of a frenzy over cricket and this whole ganguly chapel dravid thing happened you know it hit the sweet spot for the indian news industry so uh, i feel that the reason why things also went exploded beyond measure was that was uh, one of the main reasons because of the timing of the whole thing i mean had this happened say uh, you know earlier or i mean who knows what could have happened it was also around the time when there were all these uh, blogs uh, that were becoming big and uh, of course there were internet forums so i think uh, you know the timing was such that uh, a lot of people could have a say in matters and a lot of um, news and juicy gossip was coming out at that time so yeah that is a important point to consider in terms of the captaincy itself yeah i mean again you know uh, looking back maybe dravid might say you know he, he dravid might wish that the timing had been different uh, you know you don't want to uh, take over the captaincy when um, you know there has been such a big ego clash between the former captain who was ganguly and the new coach who was chapel and you are now sitting in this hot spot and everything that you do is going to be judged through that prism uh, you know it's either going to you know you will first of all be expected to take a side uh, which he did uh, of course i mean it, it, there was no other choice that he had and also he genuinely of course believed that uh, greg chapel was uh, going to bring in good things for indian cricket and then you know every decision that you take uh, and every player that you select and every decision that you take on the field and off the field is going to be judged through the fact that you are either picking uh, your man or you are picking ganguly's man because you know that's how uh, polarized the debate was and so yeah i mean uh, irrespective of what happened i think that was a unfortunate situation for dravid in hindsight you know the whole the fact that he had to take over the captaincy at that time and of course in terms of uh, how people view it and how people rate it it seems it's odd that it seems to almost be like a forgotten chapter in indian cricket uh, because people talk about ganguly and post match fixing and ganguly's team and then people talk about dhoni's team because dhoni won the uh, dhoni's team won the 2007 world t20 title and then of course went on to win the 2011 world cup the one day world cup but uh, you know for between 2005 and 2007 it seems to have been a seems to be that dark spot in indian cricket though to be fair to dravid he had two outstanding uh, series results in uh, west indies and uh, england india had never won in west indies since you know long long time 1971 india hadn't won in england since 1986 and interestingly they have not won in england ever since you know ever since 2007 they are yet to win in england uh, test series so and also he won it was the first time india won a test in south africa under dravid which is which was quite a big achievement at that time so and there were all these one day results and they went to pakistan and won a one day series uh, they won one dayers you know in india they had this record breaking chase they had all that but eventually i think that 2007 world cup became the marker by which uh, his captaincy was judged which is very unfortunate because you know uh, there is uh, you know it's a team it needs a team to do well in a world cup and unfortunately india lost that match to uh, bangladesh and then they lost to a very good sri lankan team which reached the final of that world cup so you know people uh, it's not like they lost to a weak team or something they lost to a very good sri lankan team and it was that loss against bangladesh pretty much which uh, settled the deal and um, yeah it is uh, quite unfortunate that um, the whole captaincy has come down to that 
one tournament and uh, people almost like um, <laughs> tend to you know move away from that uh, from those two years i think uh, you just said something you know that pretty much uh, you know best explains this whole period that it's the forgotten period you know there are a lot of episodes and of course uh, the world cup being the ultimate blow uh, which i remembered but it's always uh, when we talk about indian cricketing eras and the process and you know the transitions it's always about uh, at least in the major circles when you hear uh, the echo chambers whoever you are it's ganguly and then dhoni and even the azar years you know some of the dark years get mentioned but the dravid years somehow just get lost depending on you know what the question is and of course if it's we, we are not here to polarize the conversation we're just to relive some of the some of the stuff that happened on everybody's watch and you were covering most of it as a professional writer uh, so is leading uh, from front a valid notion again <clears throat> this again goes back to the initial question about what captaincy is and uh, and again it's a crossover you know question like i said so you wrote a chapter in the book timeless steel about his uh, twin effort with the bat in the test match here and and some of the, one of his gutsiest innings it wasn't 100 there were 250 so how do you want to recall that effort when he was a captain in west indies which is a traditionally tough place to tour for indian teams till very recently uh, if you want to you know just paint a picture for someone who has read the essay and definitely the younger audience who was not around to remember those in uh, those two innings yeah so uh, going to your first point i mean dravid himself uh, you know uh made this uh point uh when he was captain and he made it quite often he said that when you're playing for india when you're picked for india you know there's very little that one can do to really motivate you as a captain you know if he said that if i have to motivate you to play for india and play well for india then something is wrong i mean obviously you have uh, you have played cricket all your life you have reached this level you have played for your state team you have played for club team and all these junior teams that you played for and you're good enough to play for india so you know you're here and you're good and so that i know that but he said on the reverse what a captain uh, shouldn't do is he shouldn't demotivate players you know if if a captain is uh, not interested or if a captain is uh, found wanting in certain aspects of uh, you know playing the game and approaching the game then he felt that that could really bring the players down and that could leave a poor taste in their mind so he felt that as long as he continues to be himself and he continues to be the player that he is and he sort of uh, gets as much runs as he can which is what he was his forte uh, he felt that uh, you know that itself would be a big deal uh, to do as a captain and you know that west indies series was a uh, case in point i mean india went to west indies in 2006 uh, again um, you know uh, it was a tour that was um, not as well covered as uh, it could have been partly because uh, there were not that many journalists there because the 2006 uh, football world cup was happening if you remember and um, so the number of people covering that uh, series was not as many and also of course because of the timings invariably uh, series in west indies uh, tend to be little not as much watched as other series because uh, it's uh, night time in india but uh, that was a really vital series because india was there with a pretty young team they had uh, shrishant and munaf patel you know as, as their fast bowling um, opening fast bowlers and they had uh, you know the players like uh, wasim jafar and mohammad kaif and things i mean players who are 
still pretty young to test cricket. I mean, though they had fine records in um, domestic and other formats, but uh, you know, to go there and then to actually that time, you know, uh, West Indies uh, were you can say not uh, as good as they were in the late nineties, but uh, they were still a pretty good side at home. You know, they still had a pretty decent uh, uh, batting lineup, a good bowling lineup, bowlers like Corey Collymore, uh, Jerome Taylor. Jerome Taylor was this young quick who was uh, making waves then. And, um, you know, even in their batting, I mean, Brian Lara was still there. He was, uh, uh, of course, he was a great batsman. And uh, you had uh, Ramnaresh Sarwan and all these other uh, players, I mean, who were there. Chris Gale. Chris Gale was there too. And so, to you know, you have these three drawn matches. I mean, the very first match, actually, India came close to winning. And they were, I think, one wicket away from victory on the last day West Indies held on. I mean, that itself was a bit of a, you know, disappointment because um, I think uh, there had been bits of rain here and there in that Antigua test. And, uh, you know, had India got another 15-20 minutes, they should have won that game. I mean, they should have won it anyway. Uh, you know, they should have bowled West Indies out. But uh, that didn't happen. And then the next uh, two tests, uh, you know, it was uh, run scoring, big run scoring. And there was also a bit of rain in St. Lucia. But, uh, you know, so you get to the final test and then you have this wicket, which is extremely bowler friendly, uh, you know, and you know that this is going to be a knockout. You, you know that, you know, one bad session or one bad uh, phase in play and you could lose the match. And to go there and to make those 50s in that test, uh, when everyone else was like struggling to even put bat on ball, to have the technique, to have the uh, capability to adapt to that situation, to have the focus and the concentration to, you know, just keep the ball away and to play with those soft hands and make sure that, you know, you're, you're there. Because, you know, as long as uh, Dravid was there, you knew that India had a good chance. So that was a monumental effort, I think. I mean, you know, um, you you talk about players who score you know triple hundreds and double hundreds and having the uh, focus and the sort of uh, uh, concentration to be able to do so. But I think uh, you know in this particular innings, I mean every ball was a was a struggle. Every ball was a challenge, and for him to be able to have done that and he did it flawlessly in the second innings, uh, it was such a flawless effort that you know while. All the other batsmen were struggling to, you know, even get bat on ball and even find their feet. And while all the other batsmen were getting beaten or getting out, here's this guy who basically gets beaten, I think, once or twice at the most throughout the innings. And, you know, they were, I still remember there was this ball that kept absolutely low, like it pitched and it just almost kept low and it got um, one of the batsmen out. I think it might have been Dhoni. Um, it got him bold. But, and then like very soon after that, there was a similar ball that was pitched in pretty much the same spot and that just sort of shot through. And, you know, as a batsman, when you, when that happens, it's very difficult because, you know, uh, when you're facing a fast bowler, you're trying to be on the back foot as much as possible. And then you're trying to, you know, you're trying to gauge the bounce. And then you have a ball that's pretty much going um, you know, rolling around the grass, it's, they almost stand no chance. But Raul Dravid was so watchful. He could watch the ball so closely. He just patted it back to the bowler. And I remember the bowler, I think it was Jerome Taylor. He just stood there like helpless because he said, hey, if you're going to 
defend this ball and play this back to me as if it's a normal ball, then, you know, I stand no chance here because this is like a ball that should have gotten you out. So I think all that makes it one of two of the best innings uh, that an Indian batsman has played. It also, of course, adds to the whole context of, uh, you know, a series uh, deciding match. You're winning in the West Indies after all those years. Uh, to, to be a captain, you know, all that, of course, adds to the romance of it. But I think purely at the nuts and bolts level, uh, as an act of batting, it was uh, quite priceless. Uh, and also, you know, for those watching in the dressing room and for those, uh, you know, for the players, it was an education. You know, it was like, here's this guy who is, you know, who's your captain, of course, but he's also your teammate who is uh, doing such a good job and who is batting at such a high level. Uh, I think that kind of uh, inspires as well. And, uh, you know, when people talk about captaincy and leading from the front, I think there is something to be said about a captain who, um, you know, plays the kind of innings or bowls the kind of spell that you can only dream of doing. And I think that basically, you know, you, it adds to your, uh, you know, you, you, you want to do well for that captain. And, uh, you know, I've been part of uh, teams as well, of course, at the much lower level. And you know that if a captain is doing so well, you want to not uh, let that person down. And I think we can borrow your initial response when we talked about the captains in the kickoff question, when you said uh, to Gideon that uh, a captain can have maybe more of a marginal impact if uh, he's kind of uh, helping build a team into team of reckoning. It's, you know, what you said, it's not an established team, but a team that has good players who can be great or they're trying to do something. So in this tour, India was without its typical middle order. Tendulkar wasn't there, I think. Uh, Ganguly, I'm not sure, was he dropped? I don't remember. Yeah, Ganguly was not yet back in the team. Tendulkar had taken a break. So this kind of even magnifies the effort. Uh, it may not have been the West Indies of Walsh and Ambrose, but still it was a great effort to go out there with Yuvraj, Kaf, Vaseem Jafar. Again, all proven players in their own right. But this was like an anomaly of Indian you know, middle order with no Ganguly, no Tendulkar. And Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, is a very important uh, fact, you know. I mean, now, you know, uh, you, you're comparing, I mean, now the Indian team, you know, uh, wherever they go, they are expected to do well. I mean, you know, you take, uh, you know, if you take the best Indian eleven out in the park, uh, you feel that, uh, you know, they will be competing wherever they go. I mean, it doesn't matter. They may lose uh, here and there, but they will eventually fight. But, you know, uh, that Australia series recently where uh, Kohli had to go back and Ajinkya Rahane was captain, that was a classic case where you saw how, you know, when a team is depleted and when there are all these injuries and when the players are not there, you still, I think that is the time when a bit of calm, a bit of uh, assurance, a bit of uh, direction from the captain can help. And I think that makes that can make a little bit of a marginal difference, uh, you know, to a player or to a team when you know that, okay, the captain has my back. Or when, you know, the classic uh, example, if you go back to the 80s of Alan Border when he was captaining the Australian team, and that time Australia was really struggling, and uh, they were losing all over the place. But then when he tried to build this team and then he went and told Dean Jones in Madras, he went and told him, hey, you're going to bat at number three. And Dean Jones uh, says, you know, nobody had reposed that much faith in me uh, ever. I mean, people had always, you know, of course, people had, um, people knew that I had the talent. But then to call me into the room, a young player playing for Australia, to call me into the room and say, hey, uh, you're going to bat at number three for me. Uh, he said, I walked out of the room 
feeling 10 feet tall. And I think all that, you know, of course, again, you know, let me qualify by saying there is a lot of uh, uh, additional romance attached to all this. And as uh, lovers of the game, we, of course, are suckers for these stories and these anecdotes. But I think, uh, you know, purely from a player's point of view, uh, and having spoken to a number of players over the years, I think these small things um, where a captain does these little things uh, can make a, a difference uh, in the long run. No, I think you just said something that we all can relate to. We are suckers for this kind of stuff. And that's why, you know, we are even doing this podcast. That's why, you know, we get on Twitter during match and, you know, live tweet and follow what someone is saying. And, you know, there's a degree of separation. You know, you are adding a dimension to this podcast because you've lived that life. You've covered these guys. You sat in press room. You've, you've written about Dravid. You've probably spoken to him a few times. And I'm consuming it through you. And then someone else who will listen to this may know more than me or may know less than me and will consume. Uh, you know, this conversation, it's very intriguing stuff. Uh, and, you know, that's why, you know, we are all fa- all fans. So there's another, uh, I think, a very relevant question in every captaincy, because you gave the example of, uh, you know, when Kohli left, and I'll get to that comparison in time. But uh, look, we've always believed like, you know, teams are like governments in a way, you know, depending on who's making the narrative call, who's making the conversation, where do we draw a line for the credit blame game to end for the previous administration, because, you know, we can't have it both ways. In a larger sense, David did take over the team from one of the most beloved or popular captains of all time in India, which is Ganguly. So what is the balancing act when we analyze this transition? Did he take over a world beating team? Did he take over a team that it was still work in progress considering touring overseas? You know, because sometimes, you know, why let get like, like Katie would say, why let, facts get in the way of a good story. So what is your recollection of that transition? And if we can just keep Chapel out of it and just look at the two captains, you know, what Dravid took over and what Dravid left in 2007, what is his contribution? You know, like uh, the Ganguly shadow is so, so large. I'm not trying to diminish it. Well, h- how do you want to even undress this thing? Yeah, it's hard to say, you know, um, you know, it's where does, uh, one person's influence end and where does the other person's influence begin? And especially in cricket, you know, if for a government, you can at least say that, okay, the whole cabinet has changed. A lot of ministers have changed. The thing has changed. So there is at least the new personnel coming in. But in in a cricket team, many of the same players are still there. I mean, if you look at Dravid's team and if you look at Ganguly's team, there is so much of commonality between the two. I mean, Dravid himself was such an integral part of uh, Ganguly's team. I mean, when Ganguly was captain. And then you you had all these, um, you know, Yuvraj and Zahir and uh, all these others, you know, Sevag, all of them coming through at that time who then, you know, also played under Dravid. So it's ultimately, I think, you know, Ganguly, uh, by no means uh, were they a world-beating team at any point at that time. I mean, they went to Australia and drew the series. Of course, they went to Pakistan and won the series. But, uh, you know, uh, in England... They drew, they lost in South Africa, they lost in West Indies in 2002, which was actually a huge loss and which people often forget, you know, I mean, that they should have won that series. At least they should have drawn that series, but they lost it. Uh, You know, they lost in Sri Lanka. So there was a, that was a work in progress. It was also a time when uh, Indian cricket was more forgiving because uh, they were coming out of this whole match-fixing crisis. It was a big blow. It was a huge low. There were players who were banned and things. So 
I feel between uh, 2000 and 2002, 2003, uh, you know, the Indian public were like, okay, they were taking in the victories. Of course, you had uh, the great victory against Australia in 2001, the coming, uh, you know, at home, coming from behind and winning that series. And so, you know, you, you took those series and you took those victories and then the defeats, you said, okay, um, whatever. I mean, they'll come back. They'll do well. It's a team in progress, uh, work in progress. Uh, so when Dravid took over in 2005, but I think what happened between, um, say, uh, 2000, India won in Pakistan early 2004, I think uh, by the, through the end of uh, 2004 and the beginning of 2005, there was this feeling that the team was stagnating. Uh, you know, they lost a series to Australia at home. Of course, a very controversial series, especially that test match in Nagpur, uh, where, you know, Ganguly sat out citing an injury, but uh, the questions lingered whether it was an injury or whether there was this ego battles going on with the, uh, um, you know, administrators, uh, Nagpur and Calcutta. The two administrators were at loggerheads, etc., uh, and then Dravid captain in that match in uh, Mumbai, the decider in Mumbai, that low scorer, which India happened to win. So uh, John Wright then quit the, uh, then finished his term as a coach. He decided to move on. And so I think when Dravid took over, there was this general feeling that the team was slightly stagnating, that it was ready for a change. And that also with the new coach, uh, you know, it would be a, the beginning of a new chapter. And so the fact is, the irony of the matter, of course, as we all uh, can see now, is that it was Ganguly who recommended Chapel to the board uh, because Chapel had helped him in the 2003 series in Australia. He had helped him with his uh, batting and technique. He had, he had given him some advice. And uh, it so happened that uh, Chapel took over and, uh, you know, uh, there was uh, obviously both Dravid and Chapel at the helm had this certain vision for the team. They wanted to move in a certain direction. And um, it was, uh, at least from Chapel's point of view, and perhaps from Dravid's point of view, though we don't know because he himself hasn't said. Uh, but from Chapel's point of view, definitely, he felt that Ganguly was not part of that um, moving forward. And so he it told him in no uncertain terms that he has to drop himself, um, that it would help the team if he drops himself. And uh, of course, we can that that is a long debate on whether a coach should be telling an Indian captain to drop himself and whether there were more tactical, uh, tactful ways of doing it, and whether he should have uh, written a letter to the board, which eventually got leaked. All that is like part of the Chapel Ganguly saga, and uh, of course we can we can take a number of sides on that. But the point is that uh, you know it was clear that this was the new chapter. It was the new beginning. And uh, though the players were the same, there was a, a thought that uh, there has to be a change in vision and a change in the culture. And one of the things that Dravid, you know, to his credit, was extremely particular about, and which I think uh, is true of this uh, team under Virat Kohli as well, is that, uh, you know, he was absolutely obsessed with uh, the idea of fitness. And he believed that the best teams are the fittest teams. And, uh, you know, he tried to set the example. And, uh, of course, Kohli has taken it to another level in terms of fitness. But um, he was very clear that, you know, the players that he will pick will be those who have a certain level of fitness and also who have a certain 
um, idea of fitness. You know, it's not just about being fit. It's also about maintaining yourself. It's also about, you know, following a certain lifestyle that will keep you fit, right? So all these players, Suresh Raina, for instance, was a big part of that one-day team that did so well. Um, there was uh, uh, quite a few of these players who came in at that time. And uh, so I think that was definitely a thing that he wanted to change. He wanted India, the Indian team to be fitter. He yeah. believed that... Um, he also believed, by the way, in this, this word that was constantly used under Dravid's captaincy and Chapel's coaching tenure was this process. And that became a joke after a while because, you know, everyone was like, uh, you know, started making fun of it as you would if you say the same thing again and again. But the fact is that, you know, what he was basically trying to say is, uh, guys, let's not place too much emphasis on what happens in one game or what happens in two games. Let's look at how we are doing things. Let's not just look at results, but let's look at uh, the process to get back to the word. And, uh, you know, that, that sounds funny that sounds cliched but that is the fact and that is how you know all teams are now talking anyway and that is how traditionally the top teams go about things they don't worry about you know how to win uh, this particular game or that particular game they worry about doing certain things in ways that will get them results over the long run and uh, i think that was something that he tried to instill in the culture he tried to tell players that hey uh, you he you know, he wanted to tell players that find a way that works for you that will give you success over a period of, say, five years or 10 years. You know, if you're a bowler, uh, don't look at, don't necessarily look at how you will get wickets in the next two matches. Look at how you're going to get wickets in the next 10 years. Like, you know, what is the, how are you going to refine your technique so that you will last uh, for a long time? How are you going to, you know, how are you going to plan your spells? Like how, uh, uh, you know, though he, he started to ask people to think about these things. And I think that sort of is definitely uh, something that uh, Dravid and Chapel can be given credit for. I'm not saying that John Wright and Ganguly uh, were way off the mark. I'm sure they also had their own ways of doing things. But uh, this was a pointed emphasis under Dravid that, uh, you know, let's let's talk about the process. Let's talk about, you know, how you get fitter. Let's talk about how we approach, say, you know, one, uh, two weeks of off time, you know. Uh, there were times in which he used to even, like there used to be a one-day series um, and he, against Sri Lanka, there was a one-day series and after India won the series, he actually sat out one match. This was early in his captaincy. And, uh, you know, that was a revelation because, you know, you're early in your captaincy, you obviously want to play every match and you want to, uh, you know, uh, be in the spotlight. You want to be there. But uh, he said, see, listen, I mean, I, everyone has to think about workloads and we're playing a lot of cricket. So if I sit out one game, somebody else sits out another game and this is how we're going to manage our workload. So all that was uh, slightly new. It seemed a bit funky, but I think that it was all backed with uh, ideas and thought. It was not just done for the heck of it. Yes, yeah, so there's no randomness. No, exactly. I think uh, you really took this conversation further and uh, I'm, I'm glad because you've covered uh, what I was going to ask you, but there still remains a question. Uh, we all talk about his wins and we already covered that uh, in England and West Indies. Uh, so his test captaincy gets some credit or a lot of credit gone to many, but uh, do we give him any assist for making India a world-class chasing 
uh, you know, unit under him and Chapel. I think they they won some games chasing. I think I don't think it's a all 16 was under this tandem, but there was I think 14 of the 16 or something like that. I've read that uh, they just embraced that challenge and said, no matter what, we'll just chase to get better at this. So what I'm asking is, you know, like we said about the the process and the transition, is there an assist? You know, as unpopular this opinion maybe for Dravid and Chapel to make uh, the 2011 World Cup team because there's a connection with Ganguly's team, which was eight years ago. So, and Katie also brought that up on Twitter a few few, few days ago. And you know, uh, so what what do you have to say about that? You know, is, are you are you willing to give them any concession there that they were also part of this process that enabled India, you know, to win the World Cup four years after? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think. Uh... You know, if you look at the 2011 team, I mean, if you look at, uh, I mean, as I mentioned Suresh Raina already, Suresh Raina is, uh, of course, he, uh, you know, did well in Ranji Trophy, he did well in Under-19, he came through, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of the credit for Raina's development should go to uh, Dravid and Chapel, you know, and he he will mention it himself uh, openly. You know, his uh, he became uh, fitter, he was already very fit, but he became even fitter. And uh, he was also, he, he played that pivotal role where he could, you know, do both, uh, you know, he could both anchor the innings as well as score quickly, you know, the kind of uh, uh, thing that uh, Kohli is now, Kohli has been doing. Of course, Kohli has been doing it at a, a three, probably two or three notches at a higher level. But uh, that was Raina's role. Raina was basically doing that uh, at that time. Yuvrat Singh uh, will give most of the credit uh, for uh, to Ganguly, of course, because uh, Ganguly was the one who backed him uh, early on and uh, who sort of uh, told him that you will be in the side irrespective of, you know, even if you have a few failures and all that. And I guess players remember that uh, quite fondly and they feel that, you know, the people who helped them early on are the people who, um, you know, they are most indebted to or whatever. But uh, the fact remains that Yuvrat Singh has had the best record as a one-day player under Dravid. You know, when he played in that team, uh, Dravid and uh, Chapel's time, Yuvrat Singh really blossomed as a one-day player. And, uh, you know, his chasing, the way he was fine-tuning the chases, the way he was pacing the innings. And, uh, you know, he he became an absolutely crucial part of the side. And, uh, you know, 2011, he was the man of the series. So, Again, that is a you can draw a direct link there. Um, Zahir Khan, again, he will, <laughs> you know, Ganguly was the one who he will give a lot of credit to for his development. But the fact is, he went to England in uh, 2006. He played a season in uh, Worcestershire, and uh, you know he uh, raised his game as a bowler. He raised his fitness, and uh, in fact, he was dropped in the early days of uh, Dravid's captaincy because uh, people felt that uh, both, uh, I don't know about Dravid again, it's hard to know what Dravid felt, you know, given that he has, he says very little and also he is quite diplomatic. But uh, Chapel clearly felt that um, Zahir's fitness was not up to the mark. And uh, so he was left out. And, you know, as a, that that's a fair argument because as a fast bowler, fitness is paramount. But Zahir went to England, he uh, raised his game and then... Um, when he came back, he was a different bowler. I mean, look at his record between 2006 and uh, 2011. You know, he was a genuinely world-class bowler at that time. And, you know, for those five years, you could say that uh, it was the best five years for an Indian bowler. You know, I, I mean, I'm saying across history. So, uh, and Zahir too, huge part of the World Cup victory. 
so i feel um you know all these players if you talk to them personally they may themselves have <laughs> they may themselves you know forget that time and they may not really acknowledge how much they developed in that period between 2005 and 2007 but the fact is that they did and the team did uh, raise its game a few notches um there were a lot of improvements at that time which you can draw a line to uh to the eventual victory in 2011 so for sure yeah i think the the rana example is excellent because i've read in the book again timeless steel is a collection of essays i'm sure most rahul dravid fans who are tuning in here or most cricket fans have probably have a copy of it and i think suresh rana uh, and also the chapter by rahul bhattacharya i think it's pretty evident that during the dravid Uh, captaincy the team meetings became a more of a uh, inclusive exercise where i think players were speaking about from seniors like tendulkar kumble they would give pep talks but then even uh, youngsters like venugopal rao dhoni and raina had a voice and there's a lot of documentation you know supporting that so a culture was changing again not to paint him in a light that you know he was a savior or he was the best thing since sliced bread but again you know what gets lost in translation is so sometimes you know siddharth we say this movie came say 20 years b- before its time right it was in a way it's timeless or people didn't get it so you think what they were trying to do was i wouldn't say ahead of its time was it more like a culture shock to the many fans in india why no, I mean, it became such a polarized you know debate even now oh yeah i mean absolutely see first of all uh, you know that uh, inclusive uh, aspect of the team meetings i would give a lot of credit also to john wright because uh, you know i think uh, john wright was uh, really instrumental in uh, you know uh, breaking this uh, senior junior barrier that was existing in indian cricket you know in the 90s uh, you you talk to players and you read their books you clearly see that you know the seniors had have were held in a certain esteem and the juniors were only allowed to do a certain things you know even in the nets you the seniors would first bat and then the juniors would bat and, and sometimes the juniors would not even get a chance to bat uh you know and this is like i'm talking as late as 96 97 so john wright clearly uh you know tried to demolish that he made sure that everyone uh you know had a say i there is this famous story in the 2003 world cup in fact uh, where before the final uh, i think sanjay bangar was part of that team in uh, 2003 he, he didn't play a match he didn't play a single match but um uh john wright made sure that you know before i think it was a final before the final sanjay bangar was asked to speak and he uh, you know uh, john wright said hey you've not played a match but i'm sure you've been observing many things and uh, watching so what do you have to say and uh, bangar actually gave a little speech and he uh, gave his observations and things so all those are little examples that tell you that um, you know john wright had a huge role to play and these guys continued with it you know dravid and chapel they were also very insistent that uh, you continue with it they would make sure that you they they got a lot of uh, uh, video bits in both video analysis as well as you know they used to take some a video of some past matches and they all used to sit together and watch the matches i think once they watched that uh, calcutta test that uh, famous calcutta test where lakshman and dravid had that uh, fantastic partnership and then they would talk about it you know they would uh, each one would uh, you know talk about what they thought about this and some observations what they thought about uh this particular ball or this particular phase and uh, but but yes to your other point absolutely i think um you know if you have to change anything 
in india i mean forget indian cricket you know forget a even like a small thing like if you have to change something in your uh, say colony or in your apartment you know they you have to you cannot go about it in an authoritarian way there will always be uh, there there ha- always has to be a certain tact involved right uh, you have to know who you're dealing with you cannot just go to the uh, senior most person in the apartment and say hey do this you have to you know you, <laughs> you there uh, you know you you have to you know first start off by some small talk and make, start some bonding and then maybe you can move on to the important things i mean these are all it may all seem fake at the end of the day you know we are all people and we should be able to communicate openly right and especially in a cricket team and in a sort of a environment of sport um you know somebody like greg chapel would probably have said hey we are all adults here we are all mature what is this let's just get things out in the open but it doesn't work that way unfortunately or and uh, i don't think um, he realized it um greg chapel was somebody who had a lot of ideas now whether those ideas were um, <laughs> uh, great ideas or bad ideas we will never know because they didn't really eventually i mean he didn't even get a chance to uh, have a long coaching tenure it was just 2 years um you know he the important thing about greg chapel is that he also didn't have too much of a coaching uh, pedigree before he came in he had some experience with south australia but even there there were reports of uh, him not really treating some players well you know some player like uh, i remember paul wilson or something had said something uh, quite uh, you know damaging about his tenure i think players like greg bluett as well were not too happy there so you know it's not as if greg chapel came in as uh, you know he was not like he didn't have the pedigree of a coach who had you know won say uh, multiple series or won a world cup or something like that but the amount of uh, power he was given and the amount of leeway he was given uh, was almost as if he was uh, indian cricket's alex ferguson you know alex ferguson had titles alex ferguson had pedigree but chapel didn't right but yet chapel had uh, you know whatever players he wanted he would invariably get the selectors would uh, you know bend backwards to sort of uh, please whatever he wanted the the board was on his side the captain was on his side and uh, so pretty much you had this uh, coach who was uh, calling the shots and uh, so chapel decided that okay we need a change we need a change in terms of culture we need a change in terms of team and he said uh, the first step to do is to go after the captain who he felt wasn't good enough at that time um which itself began like a sort of a which had a snowballing effect i would say over time and uh, if you look at it if you look at the you know two years of his tenure you can pretty much draw the line to that uh, day in um, bulaweo or was it uh, mutare or harare or one of those places in zimbabwe basically where he told ganguly that uh, you know uh, he should have an honest uh, uh, appraisal of his uh, performance and he should drop himself and uh, everything that happened after that was viewed through the prism of chapel v ganguly in fact for those two years i think i have written a piece as well um you know if if uh, you know somebody from america or somebody from a non cricketing nation or, or an alien had come into you know and watched what was happening in indian cricket circles they would have felt that you know chapel and ganguly are the two most important people in indian cricket when it was in fact i mean dravid was so overshadowed even in that battle even though he was the captain of the indian cricket team uh, because everything was chapel did this 
Ganguly did this. Our our chapel said this. Ganguly said this, and uh, Dravid usually didn't say anything. And even if he did, he obviously wanted to put things in a diplomatic way. And uh, you know, people didn't. That wasn't making news. That's not headlines, right? No, I think you you just uh, hit the nail in the coffin there because uh, the culture was, chapel preceded John Wright. You know, succeeded John Wright, and then. Uh, it was always at least in the in the fans eyes you know we all looked oh he had a 50 plus batting average one of the glorified australian captains so yeah he he probably will be good at coaching because to a lot of us uh, back then we thought you know a good coach will be an extension of a captain you know someone who has taken the pressures of the international job he knows what it feels like and you know like and and maybe chapel was a decade early in india maybe he he would have been better failing elsewhere and coaching a younger team because a lot of people who are semi neutral and and I value their cricket knowledge think like you said the ideas weren't bad it's just the execution the way it went around and then it always became like you said you know he's the man who dropped ganguly and it you know the the ship never recovered and plus they were like a team full of seniors it wasn't a young team so david remains a very you know his his silence speaks volumes a lot of people think he's diplomatic a lot of people say that's the dravid style but someone like me i think if he's still uh you know meeting Tra- chapel at the junior championships and like chapel said in my podcast so they'd still do share a good rapo so it, it's just hard to unpack you know we we all can give our own opinion but you know dravid silence speaks volumes in many ways to me yeah and also uh, about that point i mean i know it was said a lot during the chapel time and dravid time about the fact that the ideas were right and the execution was wrong but my point is we don't know you know the ideas uh, you know first of all we don't know exactly what the ideas were we have a vague understanding but uh, you know eventually i think you know those ideas needed a bit of time to actually uh, you know find their uh, you know to sort of uh, what do you say uh, it's like you planting a tree right uh, you're planting a seed and over time that uh, you know becomes a plant and then it grows gradually becomes a tree and then you say okay uh, i had this idea and this is what happened but you know we we never gave it that time there was never that time for it to see what was happening for it to take root you know the ideas need time to take root but we didn't give it time to take root or there was no chance for it to take root because of all these various factors um you know given it, it was entirely up to chapel um and maybe even dravid i mean they might not have had ganguly in the team uh, from that point uh and uh, you know they would have but the fact is that uh, ganguly did come back uh he came back for of course he performed and he was uh, he had all this he had a reason for him to come back and there were he also had the backing of a people that said hey he needs to be back but um, you know <laughs> as i said you know you you if you have a vision you need that vision you need the time to for that vision to take control um but yes uh, i i actually look at it the other way i mean you you said that uh, what if chapel had taken over 10 years later sure that is a possibility but i actually wonder what would have happened if john wright had stayed on say uh, and if uh, you know uh, dravid had continued had dravid had taken over the captaincy because it was dravid who had uh, suggested uh, john wright to the board back in 2000 because he had played in kent and john wright was the coach of kent and they had a great rapport and uh, you know they they ended up uh, having a great rapport even during the john wright years but i somehow wonder what would have happened had um, you know ganguly uh, by 2004 2005 and he, he was 
losing form. So maybe there could have been a time when Dravid could have taken over with John Wright as coach and things could have then been totally different because Wright was a far more behind the scenes man. And, uh, you know, he could have, Dravid could have then imposed himself on the team. He could have, you know, been the person, like it would have been remembered as the Dravid years and not necessarily as the Chapel years as it is now. And uh, I feel that, you know, if without Greg Chapel, if you take Greg Chapel out of the scene, and if it was just Dravid managing the show, then I feel a lot of players, I mean, all the players would have been behind him because he was a hugely respected figure. He still is. He still, I mean, but that time what was happening was that because he was seen as this, in this chapel camp, a lot of players felt that they had let him down. You know, a lot of players felt that he was taking chapel side and not taking their side and things like that. I mean, I'm not saying there was any validity to that or I'm not saying... Dravid was not backing them. But all I'm saying is that had it just been Dravid with a behind-the-scenes man, like maybe even Gary Kirsten, why John Wright, maybe even Gary Kirsten, uh, then I feel uh, the story could have been different. Well, let me ask you this. You said something very important that I think I, I never have heard in this, uh, you know, this discussion regarding Ganguly Dravid Chapel. If Dravid had seen the end of uh, John Wright's tenure as captain and Chapel came, but Ganguly is the guy who brought Chapel in. So again, that's the you know that's the other you know equation that if we can ignore, if Indian board suddenly discovered Chapel as the successor to John Wright and David was already appointed captain, you think the the course of the future could have been different if David was already in control when uh, Chapel joined? It could have. Again, been hypothetical, but just feel free to give an opinion. I mean. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it could have. I mean, as I said, you know, eventually it came down to the clash of the egos, right? Um, between the chapel and Ganguly. And that meeting in Zimbabwe uh, pretty much uh, cast the long shadow over the next two years. Everything that happened had to be judged through Chapel v. Ganguly. And uh, so ultimately, what chapel also, I mean, you know, let's not forget. Uh, Chapel's biggest flaw when he was coaching India was that he was um, trying to play a lot of uh, these, uh, he was trying to coach through the media, as they say, which is like, uh, you know, plant a few stories here, plant a few stories there, and, uh, you know, then uh, try and get the message across to the players. But after a certain point, especially in India, there are no secrets, right? And when you see a a story in a newspaper that says uh, a source revealed, that, um, you know, this player's spot is under threat. I mean, the player reading it knows exactly who that source is after a point of time. And that's when you are losing trust with your players. That's when you're basically, uh, you know, you're saying, I mean, if you want to tell the player that his spot is under threat, then tell him on his face, right? I mean, just uh, go and talk to him and say that, uh, hey, uh, X, Y, Z, this is your areas of improvement, etc. But the moment you start coaching through the media, things become a problem. And uh, that was a big feature of that time when there were a lot of reports that used to come out uh, citing X or citing Y, you know, unnamed sources. And this was from both sides, of course. Now, once, you know, if once one person starts doing it, invariably, the other side will also start. Yeah, and two so, wrongs have never made a right. So you're, you're absolutely... Exactly. So, you know, so all that... Path. Yeah, yeah. So all that was, what was happening was that the the uh, trust was uh, fraying. And uh, what you need in a team is you need everyone to feel like, okay, we are in 
this together. You know, we, whether we win, whether we lose, it doesn't matter. But we are all going to band together. And that was going away. I mean, it, it started off, you can go to the Nagpur test where you can start seeing the origin of that uh, breaking away of trust where the some players genuinely believe that um, uh, Ganguly had let them down. Uh, Hara, uh, the Zimbabwe conversation was another one when trust was going away, when you feel, you know, you have this coach who's telling the captain to step down. I mean, you're like, oh my God, what is he going to tell me next? You know, what is this the kind of... Uh, uh, situation that we are in now, you know, tomorrow he says, okay, you're fired, you're dropped, you know. Uh, and then it could also move on to the constant stories that were coming in the media about this player is doing this, this player is doing that. And uh, it's not ideal for team environment. And, uh, you know, Dravid, uh, for all his, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever good intentions he had, ultimately you are stuck in this, right? And uh, people will obviously approach you for your thoughts. And, uh, you know, if you don't say anything, then people will assume whatever they want to assume. So you wrote an article, which I'll plug, you know, do a plug in uh, in the show notes because very relevant. Uh, so did you sense that, you know, not sense if we already have talked about the locker room, the, uh, the, the change room was divided, his popularity, you know, didn't fade, uh, but, you know, you, you, you know, you know, there was this, uh, cloud of doubt for all players and he he openly even said that the job consumed him especially you know in that last series uh, when he you know retired as captain uh, after that famous win against England and I'm going to quote something that uh, from your article uh, ESPN Crick Info his frustrations were apparent during the England tour he lambasted a television reporter for running a speculative story and at Old Trafford left the post-match press conference in a half after being constantly interrupted Please explain, you know, you know, how you view that decision, and have have you changed over the years, and how you viewed, or do you see it differently? Because you know, with more water under the bridge, uh, go back to that time in Old Trafford, and you know, try to just you know give us a. Yeah, I was I was there on years. that tour. I was there on that England tour, and I felt that uh, there were two things that I felt. One, I felt was actually that was uh, the time when I felt you know, the team trust and the bonding and everything else was actually coming back. You know, I spoke a lot about, uh, you know, the fraying of the trust and uh, uh, players uh, not trusting each other. But 2007 England, Chapel was no longer there. Uh, Ganguly was uh, in the team, but he was batting beautifully. He had a crucial role to play in that uh, series. Um, all the Indian team, you know, Dinesh Karthik, Wasim Jafar, they were opening. They had a good opening partnership. Tendulkar was there. Uh, India's bowling, Zahir Khan was doing very well. And that was actually a tour when watching it, you felt, okay, things are slowly getting back into a little more normalcy, a little more, you know, quiet. And people are like, what, talking only about the cricket. They are not talking about divisions in the team or politics or anything. Um, India did not have a full-time, you know, coach at that time. But Chandu Borde was the, you know, manager. He was appointed. And he was this elderly statesman who, you know, no, who really didn't uh, care too much about, you know, <laughs> care too much about, uh, you know, making a statement or anything like that. So it, it felt like, okay, this is a normal cricket series. After a long time, I felt, okay, this is good. And, but at the same time, I also felt that uh, there was a bit of uh, joy that was being sucked out of him. Uh, I think... 
uh, after the World Cup uh, defeat in 2007, uh, you know, he was, uh, there was a big question mark whether he would continue because Chapel was going to go away. That was no doubt. And so he decided to continue. But I think at that time, he gave himself, and I think he told the board as well. He said, see, for the next six months, I'm willing to stay on as captain if I get these things. Okay, and then I think he had a list of some three, four things that he wanted. Uh, one of them was like, a, you know, I think it was a bowling coach and uh, something about fitness, something about, basically, I forgot the exact list. But yeah, he had had this discussion with the board and he said this is what he wanted. But uh, six months down the line, he really felt that uh, things weren't moving the way he wanted. Uh, he wasn't really getting exactly what he, you know, want, uh, what he had requested. Also, there were people in the board, uh, you know, Indian BCCI is after all a, uh, its own uh, a political organization. So there were people in the board who were also trying to, um, what do you say, uh, play games, uh, play games with him. Um, you know, they were, the, I'm saying people who were not in his, so to speak, faction uh, were trying to bring him down. And I think all that took a toll, you know, I mean, of course, if Raul Dravid wanted to stay on as captain after an England series win, nobody would have stopped him. He would have definitely been captain. Uh, India were going to Australia, remember, in 2007-08. So that was a big tour coming up. And everyone thought that he's going to be the captain when India goes to Australia. But um, I think at some point of time, he felt uh, he's not uh, waking up every morning and uh, feeling that same enjoyment that he would normally. And he also felt that, uh, you know, batting is what he has done all his life. So why not focus fully on my batting? And so he quit, which was a big surprise, uh, which was also, I mean, I empathized with him, of course. Of course, everyone, uh, you know, who knew his situation would have empathized with him. But it was also slightly surprising for me because, uh, yeah, I just thought maybe he would give it at least till the Australia tour uh, before he finally decides to quit. Okay, so we covered quite a lot. Let's end this conversation again. Uh, another quote from that uh, article of yours from 2007. Uh, and this David, I think, in an interview has was openly saying this to Mike Atherton. The quote is, our cricketing culture has to change to some extent. And then Atherton wrote in the Sunday Telegraph, uh, his quote, the removal of a visionary like Chapel has probably ended whatever chance David has of making a revolutionary impact on Indian cricketers captain. All right, so a lot of water under the bridge. 14 years later, India is a world-beating team. So using the Dravid, you know, quote as uh, culture has to change. So you think, have we changed culturally as a cricket team? Because success hides a lot of holes. You know, we are one of the, I think we are the best team in the world. If you look at all formats, they have a very good chance against England in the upcoming series. Uh, so what is your take on this Dravid? You know, because this has stayed with me, our cricketing culture has to change to some extent. Have we changed? Did we not change? Uh, did wins hide, you know, cultural shortcomings? Uh, you know, how, how do you revisit this statement from, you know, this quote from your article of 14 years ago? And that's, I think, the perfect way to, you know, uh, end this discussion on David's legacy as a captain. Yeah, going back to 2007, you know, I had a conversation with him at the end of the tour. I mean, I had no idea he was going to quit his captaincy then. Uh, this was, uh, you know, in England, and this was a conversation, I put, it was an interview, but it was also like, you know, general chit chat. And in that, you know, one of the things that came through clearly in that was he believed that ultimately for India to become a good team, they have to build good systems, you know, from grassroots upwards. 
I mean, as long as they produce, if they have a good system, he said they will win 80% of the time. You know, it doesn't matter if you lose one game here, one series there, that's fine. But he said, you know, they need to, we need to build a cricketing culture. We need to have a change in attitude. It's not just about the Indian team. It's about everything else that's around it. It's about the players coming in. It's about the bench strength. It's about the fitness. It's about how you're monitoring injured players. You know, if a player's player gets injured today, you know, he cannot just go back and just go away to Ranji Trophy and, you know, be let aside on his own. There needs to be a program that, and there needs to be somebody monitoring him. There needs to be a method by which you're following exactly what he's doing, put him on his, uh, you know, rehab program, give him a diet, give him his, you know, basically follow up with him like any professional sporting organization would do. And he was very keen on all that. He didn't, he said, see, listen, series, we will win series. We will lose. That is fine. But for him, it was much more like an organization building thing. And, you know, fittingly for the, over the last uh, quite a few years, he has been part of that. I think, uh, you know, a large reason why India is a good team now, uh, there are many reasons, okay? Let's not just uh, uh, find individuals here. I mean, India, uh, the Indian cricket uh, web has, uh, you know, widened considerably. There are players coming in from everywhere. The BCCI uh, age group tournaments and age group, uh, you know, talent spotting is amazing. The IPL has, of course, opened up a whole new avenue of opportunity. There are players who, you know, are now, you know, you can, like, you can find them uh, playing in the Tamil Nadu Premier League and Karnataka Premier League. There are players coming through from all sorts of uh, uh, avenues. And not to mention, of course, the biggest of them, which is the BCCI uh, age group tournaments and under 13, under 15, etc. There's more money in the game, all that. So all those things have constantly been there. But one of the other things that has happened is that, you know, uh, the NCA, Dravid has been part of the National Cricket Academy. He has uh, played an active role in the mentoring of the younger players. The A-team has been a big role. I mean, whenever India goes on an away tour, usually the A-team goes as well a few uh, weeks before. So that, uh, you know, in case you want like a, a, a few players to play from the A-team to the uh, India team, they're already ready. I mean, uh, players like uh, uh, Pujara, Vihari, Rahane, KL Rahul, many of them have benefited hugely from playing in the A-teams. Mohamed Siraj. Uh, classic case of a player who has, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> made it to the Indian team so seamlessly after playing so well for India A. I mean, he played test cricket and it's like he belonged. He's like, okay, I'm ready. So, and Dravid has had an active role to play in all of that. He, is, um, he has spotted uh, a number of talents. I mean, Shubman Gill seems to be someone who he saw pretty early. Him and uh, Amol Muzumdar and a few others in the NCA. Uh, have uh, spotted a lot of uh, these young, talented players. Prithvi Shaw, uh, you know, Prithvi Shaw was out of cricket for a bit because he had, uh, you know, he was uh, banned for uh, the illegal substance uh, thing, uh, illegal substance, taking in an illegal substance. But, you know, he's come back and, uh, you know, he attributes that a lot to Dravid as well. Now Dravid is coaching the Indian one-day team in Sri Lanka. And I'm sure, you know, the few messages that he's passing on and the, his attitude is rubbing off as well. So this is precisely what he wanted as captain. You know, <laughs> the, the current Indian team and the current Indian setup was Dravid's dream in 2007. I mean, he could never get it when he was uh, captain. He could never get an India A team or an India under-19 team 
that was as uh, test ready or as uh, ready for internationals as this generation is but uh, he has played a part and uh, you know ultimately you know i, I feel that uh, the in the future i feel yes there is a huge chance that he could take over as coach um in my personal theory is he, it will not happen during virat kohli's tenure it may happen it may happen you know after that uh but uh, i feel it's a natural progression because uh, you know the everyone who is making it to the team uh is you know owes a bit of their success to him you know they they respect him he's a hugely uh, you know in uh, admired figure in indian cricket and uh, i feel there will come a time say 3 4 5 years down the line maybe when uh if he takes over as coach then every other every player that is playing in the indian team is going to uh you know look up to him in a way that uh they wouldn't if it was uh, some other coach you know of course you, you can they will respect any coach they have but you know to have a person like rahul dravid you would almost want to do well for him it's like i want to do well for this coach i want to make him proud kind of feeling and uh, you know to, to complete the circle uh, i just feel that uh, what chapel and dravid could not do in 2005 to 2007 uh, dravid himself may end up doing as coach uh, in a few years down the line yeah and that will be like a fitting into a documentary again you know his uh, his batting credential and his legacy will never be in doubt he's one of the all time greats and now his work with the nca and you know indian junior team or the india a team is uh, it's very well could be paving his path to you know hold the reins of indian team as a coach in the near future and i may even think i, I even see him coaching with virat kohli i think i i differ a bit there uh, I, i would have thought exactly like you said uh, maybe a few years ago but i think now with shastri's tenure coming i think it's coming up i think this could be Uh, the last few years of kohli dravid we we could see that happening but again let's see if that does happen but yeah thanks for we could i mean as i said i'm i'm not opposed to it uh, if it happens no no i didn't mean you were opposed to yeah. it i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no i'm i'm totally thinking i mean i'm i'm just saying that uh, you know if it does happen say um, in um, uh, you know i think uh, shastri's tenure comes to an end after this i mean i i still think that uh, uh, they would not want to change the coach until the you know one day world cup which is coming up in two years i mean who knows maybe they could but uh, yeah i feel um, you know uh, anyway i just feel what uh, dravid and chapel could not do in 2007 maybe dravid the coach does in 2027 and uh, if he can lift the world cup in 2027 then it will complete the circle <laughs> yeah and the life will come full circle you absolutely right and in between will always be you know the mystical years of dravid the captain and i think you helped it unpack beautifully and hopefully there'll be some interactions people will weigh in because it remains a topic close to people's heart you know because dravid chapel ganguly you know there has never been like a triangle like that you know you get bollywood triangles and then there is a cricket triangle so thank you he's uh, sidvi no introduction needed uh, host of the 81 all out podcast everyone's favorite writer that's what i've been calling him and thank you for taking time out on a week night I know you have other things to do but this was a this is a wonderful chat. Thank Absolute you Shakib uh, always a pleasure to join you and um, uh you know uh, happy to talk about um those that phase but at the same time just want to end by saying that you know uh, a lot of players have spoken about Dravid and Chapel and that tenure 
you know, and how many ever people talk about it, it's very hard to get the full story. You know, I mean, each one is coming to it with their own bias. So if you want like the full overall picture, it's almost extremely hard to get. Uh, I would hope at some point of time, Dravid himself comes out with his side of the story, but given the nature of the man and given, uh, you know, the fact that uh, how uh, far he wants to stay from controversy, I doubt that will happen. So, uh, you know, it's up to basically, you know, uh, it's up. these discussions are good because they not only uh, recap what happened, but also help uh, people who are probably not that old that time, uh, who didn't understand what was happening to sort of revisit and to think about how things were. And, uh, you know, if anyone listening wants to explore it deeper, uh, go ahead and, you know, um, write things about it or uh, whatever. Yeah. I mean, there are ways to continue the discussion. Yeah. No, thank you. And I'll try to further explore this uh, topic with someone else, just because this is a topic, you know, no matter, like you said, no matter how many voices you get, you still get the nuance, but whatever's in public domain, it's like a batting order, right? Uh, Ganguly have spoken his piece. Chapel has said his piece a few times. Dravid declared before he could bat. I think we never know what he has to say. I think, you know, so, but, but you never know. Maybe there's a book coming in 20 years from now and then this topic will be 35 years old and he'll break his silence. All yeah. right, Siddharth, again, maybe <laughs> right. I should have you back again. Maybe you'll reconsider, you know, saying something else. On that note, <laughs> this was fun and I'll release this first thing tomorrow morning. And uh, yeah, let's do this again sometime. All the best for 81 All Out. You know, we are all our fans. Keep, keep doing what you do. Thank you. Thank you, Shakir.